Hey everyone, welcome to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Today, director Sebastian Lelio discusses his film A Fantastic Woman with moderator Carlos Aguilar of Movie Maker Magazine. Hi guys, thank you for sticking around. My name is Carlos Aguilar with Movie Maker Magazine and it's my pleasure to uh, bring the director of Fantastic Woman, uh, Sebastian Lelio. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for be- being here. So, um, as everyone is sort of decompressing <laughs> after this fantastic experience, um, tell us um, how did um, meeting Daniela Vega, the actress, shape the writing and you know the overall process of creating this film? What was her role uh, in the process? Well. Um, when the idea of this story happening to a transgender woman appeared, then we felt that we needed to stop writing and meet who was out there. And um, I live in Berlin, so I was I was a bit detached of what was happening in Santiago. So I didn't have any transgender friends, and and um, so trying to get rid of our ignorance, we wanted to meet some some women, uh, trans women, and we met a couple of them, and and uh, and then very soon we met Daniela, and that was a very important moment in the process because um, I, I loved her immediately, and um, we really connected. And after that meeting, talking to her for two hours, I, I understood that I wanted to make this film. I wanted to continue with the writing process, and and um, and that I, w- I was not going to do it without a transgender actress. It was a very natural um, instinct. Um, but then th- I wasn't looking for an actress because it was early days. <laughs> I was looking for a cultural advisor, um, and Daniela generously accepted to 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 become our the friend of the project. And so for a year, we became Skype friends. <laughs> and uh, she shared a lot of her experiences. And uh, it's not that the film is biographical at all. There's, it's not taking any anecdotes from her life. Um, but there is a general vibe that I think came from Daniela. Um, she had no idea of what we were we were writing about. Uh, she was just sharing what being a transgender woman and transitioning in Chile had meant for her. And so I think, you know, the microaggressions and the way people treat her um, are coming directly from our conversations. Um, but then the, the strangeness and beauty of the process is that um, towards the end of the writing process, I realized that that she was the one, that I, I didn't need to look, I didn't need to, you know, cast or open a casting process because Daniela was Marina. Um, but it took me a few months to realize that. So so when, when the first draft was done, um, I sent it to her and I asked her, would you like to play Marina? And uh, and she thought I was uh, I was insane, <laughs> um, and 
then she said, I need three days. And uh, she took three days and then said yes. That's amazing. Um, I know that originally you wanted her to uh, interpret different music, to sing uh, different types of songs, and then that changed uh, because of her talent. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, um, Daniela is, um, is a, is a ly lyrical singer and uh, had some acting experience. And uh, it's just a force of nature. So that's why I thought, you know, she was the right person to, to, to do this. Um, and then, um, naively, <laughs> I, um, I incorporated the fact that she is a singer. And uh, at the beginning in the script, uh, Marina was a popular music singer. She was that singing like something closer to what she sings at the beginning of the, of the story. And, um, and when she said yes, she said, okay, I will do everything you're asking me to. Like I will learn how to drive. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will lose some weight. I will uh, do physical training. I will um, fly. Um, face, uh, windstorms, everything, but I cannot sing popular. Uh, and, um, and I said, why? You know, because she said um, she has this ly lyrical singing training, and for someone that has that kind of training, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to, write, to sing popular. So I was like, no, 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 you learn, you know, we'll, we'll hire some trainers and and you learn. And she was like, okay, I will try. Um, and she did try, but it wasn't working. It was a, a bit too Andrea Bocelli-like. <laughs> and I was getting concerned. And we were like two weeks away from starting shooting. And, and I was like, oh my god, the film is going to end like sounding like Bocelli. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want that. Um, nothing against Andrea Bocelli, but it's, it's not that I want that in my film. Um, and but then, very wisely, uh, Daniela came to to to, to my office, and uh, slammed the door behind her, and she said, "You have to listen. Please listen to listen to to this." And she sang um, a baroque Italian aria a cappella, and I was like in front of a wind fan, you know, I was like, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, I told her to go away, <laughs> uh, and I modified the script. And that's why she's singing lyrical music two times or, or more, because she's kind of like rehearsing um, in the film. Mm -hmm. You know, something that's also uh, fantastic about the character is that, um, you know, she's attacked and she hears all these aggressions, not so microaggressions, macroaggressions, and she never retaliates, she never, you know, insults them, she never reacts in a way that, you know, brings her down to their level. Was that something that you wanted her? She's also, she's kind of like this very iconic figure as she walks through the wind and through, even after the horrible things that happened to her, she remains, you know, dignified. Mm. Um, yes, I mean, it is fiction. And the film is proposing a certain type of dynamic with the spectator. And in order for the spectator to, in a relaxed way, fulfill um, 
the enigma that Marina is with their own fears, desires, uh, or fantasies, uh, we needed the character to remain more or less um, enigmatic or mysterious. So that's why it's closer to a register that is coming from like older traditions, I would say like from heroines from 40, 40s or 50s. Like kind of, she's like kind of like a noir character in when it comes to style in terms of performance. Uh, it's one of the many things that the film, um, you know, mixes or plays with, because it's a film that plays with different, a lot of different tonalities and flirts with different genres, and it's like its own identity is uh, in flux. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, wa we, were, we were not trying to make um, a documentary, you know, but, uh, but a movie. And, and, um, and I really wanted to try to, you know, for the film to feel like a very real on one hand, uh, but, but like a dream as well. So that balance was um, very challenging, and I think um, it was important to to preserve that, um, so to say, opaque dimension of the character. So the other, sec the secondary characters could project their own fears and desires and fantasies upon her, and we are watching that, and we see them calling her names and, and trying to define her and we have time to observe the situation from every possible angle and maybe attitude and see how we feel about it. Um, and by the way, by doing that, the, the characters don't reveal any aspect about Marina. They only re reveal themselves. But here and there, um, Marina is looking straight into the lens, like asking us, you know, what, what do you see? Where are you standing? What do you see? In in me, and 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 I think that's the triangular game that, well, any film um, proposes, but in especially in this case, is very evident. You know, it's a very strong uh, device. You've also said in plenty of interviews that this is not only a film about transgender women, but it's a transgenre film. Do you evoke many different genres or traditions? Uh, do you want to talk about some of those inspirations? Um, ye yes, <laughs> if you ask me to. Um, Thank you. And no, I mean, at, at some point in the writing process, the idea of uh, transgenre narrative appeared, and that was super important. Um, we use the same word in Spanish, género. Género means genre and means gender. So you talk about género when it comes to films, uh, you know, thriller, romantic, funeral movie, um, a ghost film in this case as well, um, ca character study, a film about a woman, um, fantasy. And you use the same word, género, for sexual identity, so gender. Uh, so it's a transgénero film about a transgénero character. And that was like a very important notion and concept 
that um, opened a lot of opportunities uh, in terms of expression for me as a filmmaker. And suddenly the, this device was able to, con to resist mm, different ex expressive territories and uh, cinematic territories. And, and that, was, um, that was very interesting as a journey because the film is not only posing the question, what is a woman? But at the same time is, um, is wondering what is a film? So the, 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 the question of identity um, is not only analyzed um, through the, the, main, the main character, but through the entire film as a cinematic device. Um, and this idea of uh, an identity in flux was, was, was very liberating and inspiring for me. I think it's a genre-fluid film. That's a great way to put it. One of the most difficult film, uh, scenes to watch in the film is the kidnapping scene. Um, can you tell us about you know, shooting that sequence and how difficult it was both technically and emotionally for you and Daniela and the crew? Yeah, that was uh, a hard one because, um, well, it's, it's, it's quite violent, and um, everything that they say to her are things that Daniela has heard in her life. So it's kind of like a compilation of insults that Daniela has heard. So it had that charge. And, and at the same time, um, technically it was, was a nightmare because it, you know, it's, we, uh, we were in motion in, on a track, and... Um, and that's already difficult. And then the, 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 the sequence has um, a push-in camera movement, which requires a technical device. And so to make everything match at the same time and repeat it again and again and, and having the, the right um, performance, the intensity in the performance, plus the camera movement, plus the background, it, was, it, was, it took a long time. And it was very exhausting emotionally for all of us, <laughs> especially for Daniela. And every time we said cut, they would hug her immediately and ask her for you know forgiveness and <laughs> and then again, you know, but yeah, I, I remember being very, very tired at the end of that day and, and Daniela because right after that we shot the, the alley sequence, which is exactly what happens afterwards. So we shot, that, we shot that entire movement uh, in one day. So when she was finally getting rid of that scotch tape, the sun was going away, so the day was finishing. Um, it felt, I mean, we were all so relieved uh, to, you know, to, to, be done. to be done, yeah. You know, also another element that you know, watching the film is impossible not to notice is the amazing score by Matthew Herber. And I know that you've been a, a big fan of him for a long time, and now he scored one of your movies. How did that come about? Um, because I was thinking, I knew that the film needed a, a score that could have the power to connect all these um, directions in which the film operates and to put them together and, 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 and to hold them together. And, um, and I was like, I need, I need something like Matthew Herbert. Uh, 
because he can be very modern and at the same time he can um, take things from different musical traditions and by recombining them create something new, which is, I think, what I was trying to do with the film. You know, I think the film, it is as well a film about cinema, as every film should be. Um, but, um, and then I remember jumping from my couch, why not him? You know, why not calling Matthew Herbert? And, uh, and, and, and he saw an, an early cut of the film um, and really connected and really, he liked it immediately. And, and after that, it was pure generosity from his part, I mean, side. And uh, I remember the first conversation, <laughs> um, he was laughing because, because I, um, I remember saying to him, we need something like Bernard Herrmann meets Henry Mancini. And he was like, ha <laughs> 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 But I think he did that, you know, because the film has the, um, the dark tension, thriller, Hermanesque element. Hitchcock. Mm. And, an, and, an, and it has as well an, a more escapist, um, dreamy, lighter touch. Um, and he really managed to m make them coexist under one sonic universe and identity, identity again, yeah. Um, as most of you guys uh, know, the film is nominated for an Oscar. Congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> and you've also last weekend won the Goya Award for Best Ever American Film. Yeah. So tell us what's been the reaction like to in Chile to this recognition for the film. This is only the second time that a film from Chile has been nominated in the best foreign language film category at the mm. Oscars. It's been it's been um, it's been a process. I mean, of uh, the film has uh, the film has generated more and more awareness of its existence, and and um, and that comes along with awareness of the subject and of Daniela and of the trans and the reality and people in Chile. So it's been quite a year, you know, uh, and, and really wonderful to witness how the film has been growing, um, well, everywhere, but especially in, in Chile, where, you know, from where the film emerges. Um, when it was released, um, it generated a lot of um, conversation. It was seen by not, not so many people, but it was a decent amount. Um, so, but it was suddenly at the center of the public conversation. And that was, we took that as a big uh, victory. And then Daniela became ultra famous. Like, uh, yeah, iconical. I mean, she's an icon <laughs> now in Chile and um, and um, and she has managed that with great grace and and um, and that was in April. And in the meantime, the film has been receiving all this international attention and recognition, and it has been released everywhere. And um, so more people are have become more aware of it. And then when it made it to the shortlist, it became a national thing. Oh. And um, so like soccer. 
Let's yeah, like soccer. At one point, we had one um, Miss Universe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and um, so it's kind of like that. <laughs> That's amazing, and it's I mean also we're not Miss Universe yet, but you know, <laughs> close, close. <laughs> uh, but also, it's generated. You know, it's changed. Um, so the way that laws uh, regarding transgender people in Chile have been, you know, starting to get modified because there is no gender uh, law in Chile no. as of now, right? No, no. And, and one of the things that Daniela always mentions, and she's so right, is that what a sad paradox it is to be representing Chile and uh, traveling a lot and having to do that with her old identity, ID. And that's... Um, unacceptable and 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 I think the film has contributed to 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 make people understand that that's unacceptable and uh, for 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 many years there has been the attempt to have a um, technical in Spanish is called um, a gender identity law um, and strangely and mysteriously enough the same day when the announcement for the Oscars was made. The Congress was um, discussing the what they call the idea of legislating this law. So it's, it's it was a, an important day for that law to go into the next level or stage, and it did. And um, and maybe the you know the the, the film's influence. Did something to, I mean, contributed to that? Maybe, maybe, I mean, it was an amazing coincidence. Uh, it was a very strange day. That day died the, the the most important living Chilean poet died at 103 years old, and it w he's Nicanor Parra, like an absolute hero for any Chilean person, people, and um, and the, a very right wing recently elected. Um, was announcing their cabinet. So it was a crazy day. <laughs> we ended up very late at a downtown karaoke <laughs> because of that. <laughs> and you're also a very, very prolific filmmaker. You have two more films coming out in theaters this year besides Fantastic Grammar. Disobedience in April and a sort of new version of your previous film, Gloria, now in English. So what can you tell us about those films? That I uh, made them, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, it's been two year, very intense couple of years. And um, what happened to me is that after Gloria, I, um, which is my previous film, that it was my, that was my fourth film and the first film that really got real international distribution and everything. After that, I um, instinctively decided to wait and, and write. So I wrote A Fantastic Woman, co-wrote it with my dear friend Gonzalo Massa. And then I co-wrote um, Disobedience, um, which was going to be and is, will be, my first Engli English language film shot in, in England, in London. And uh, the, the new version of, of Gloria that we shot with Julianne Moore interpreting the role. So, yeah. I mean, it is the unusual situation of having written three films and then shot them back to back. 
Um, You're busy. And survived. And survived that. <laughs> yeah. And we have time for a couple of questions from the audience. Um, The question was about how living outside of uh, Chile in Berlin gives some perspective uh, to write this film. I think it was a huge influence. Berlin is a city where impossible things coexist. And you find, you know, in any corner you can find a writing machine and, a, and an umbrella and a horse head um, and a, a pair of shoes and a book. The capital, <laughs> really, not really, and, and it's like so that kind of surrealistic um, reality and a city where everything is possible. Uh, I think it, it was influential. Um, the fact that I was writing from there, um, and in terms of structure, yes, I mean I, I really love when. You can be as a spectator at the same time lost in the dream, but aware of the machinery. I think when you when you can when you have that, you can um, enjoy the complexity of a film um, in so many levels at the same time, and that's something I like to experience as a as a spectator, and hopefully to provide. Um, with my films. One last question, because we're running out of time. O over there, up there. The music DJ. Yeah, no, that's that's um, that's one of my favorite actors in Chile, Sergio Hernandez. I always work with him, and I always find a way for him to be in in my films. And um, so he was. He's not a music teacher. He doesn't play the piano, um, but he's a great actor. He's a great actor, and. It was very important to find someone that could, um, you know, provide that parental um, figure. Uh, yeah, for me, one of the most important moments in the film is that moment of silence when she's hugging him and they are bouncing a little bit, and and you can feel that there is a backstory to that relationship and that he's not judgmental at all with her when it comes to her identity which is not the same that when it comes to her dedication to her talents uh, so he's like the Mr. Miyaki of the film <laughs> yeah thank you so much guys another round of applause for Sebastian thank you Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and also check out the Landmark Theatre's YouTube channel for videos of these Q&As and other exclusive content.